Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast. This is your weekly injection of mind-numbing local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. Uh, this is episode 85 now, technically our Christmas episode, but due to our poor organisational skills, it probably won't actually be going out until sometime in the new year. But you yeah. can enjoy Christmas retrospectively. Yeah, I mean, episode uh, 83 um, went out on Christmas Eve, which I'm sure you've enjoyed by now. We well, will have done, obviously. Um, and uh, I hope that made you feel festive. Uh, I didn't get you a Christmas present or anything, Rob. It's funny you should mention that, Alex. I've got you a Christmas present. Have you? I have got you a Christmas present. The reason present. I didn't... Well, now I feel terrible. Yeah, because we so didn't, you should. Because you always forget. But we, no, it's not that I forget, it's that we didn't agree, you know, because we sometimes do our shit gifts at Christmas. Well, as friends, I, I thought that was... <laughs> it was best just left unsaid. Oh, can I just... Can I, do, though, then just say, mitigating circumstances and all that, I have been unwell since Monday. Well, you know, Alex, it's not really much excuse, is it? Okay, right. Yeah. So here's my present. Oh. It's a, a, but now I feel bad. Yeah, that's all right. Um, is it? I bought it on the way here. Oh, right. Um, well, it's an afterthought. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's not an afterthought. I mean, it, it, was, it was quite fortuitous because it would be something you like. Um, Were you going to get me a present or was this a, an opportunistic present? Um, you weren't going to get half me. Half and half. <laughs> okay, then I don't feel uh, bad. It, it is from Cancer Research. Um, I don't mind that. I did see this. It's uh, an Indiana Jones puzzle. Right, that's very interesting you've given me that, because my sister for Christmas, one of the things she gave me, because I'm a big Star Wars fan, was the Star Wars puzzle. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, unfortunately, it is from the uh, the rather shitty fourth Indiana Jones film. Uh, I'm not entirely oh, sure... Oh, Rob, it's not even like an old classic <laughs> one. Um, I'm not entirely sure whether all the pieces are there. This is, this is an Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. But it, I thought this was from, like, the 80s. Well, I'm not sure what you're expecting. I said, no, I'll probably be a collector's piece. Unfortunately, this is a... Um, can you open it? Rob, this is the worst gift ever. <laughs> it's got hair in it. There's, there's, what, why is there... That, that could be... Fake hair. For all you know, that could be Harrison Ford's hair. It's blue. What, the hair? Oh, yeah. It's come off the puzzle. Wow, it is quite cheap, isn't it? Um, Bro, why don't we even want this? You can take it with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need Alex. But Merry Christmas. What am I meant to do? <laughs> do the puzzle. See I don't if, want to do the puzzle. Do what? Do the puzzle. See if all the pieces are there. Take a picture. We'll put it on the website, and you can bin it. You want me to do this puzzle? Yes. Have you got anything better to do today? How about I do it when you read out your story? <laughs> How many pieces is it? Six. Yeah, you might be okay, that's what I'll do. Okay, see Why if you, you can do it over the length of the podcast. Over the length of the podcast, I'm going to try and do and complete a puzzle of Indiana Jones, uh, Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf. Um, that's made by Ravensburger. Um, two more pieces of, uh, of information or just a quick update. Um, I finally found uh, out... Can I get to this? If you hear this noise, that's me putting a piece of the puzzle down. I would like to put it, he is actually doing the puzzle whilst I, we, we record this. Um, I found out what happened to the Woodford, the Woodford recorder. Right. Um, Good. I didn't make it up. It's a genuine paper. I um, told you didn't make it up. Well, I, 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 was, I got quite scared for a second that I had generally just imagined it or, or picked up some random publication. But I can confirm that the Woodford recorder is a subsidiary of the Ilford recorder. Um, and so I will be reporting from it uh, on a weekly basis, so that's another uh, pu- uh, pu- I say puzzle then, another newspaper that we can add to our arsenal. Um, also, just to let you know, um, yeah. I made a big change. I-, I get the impression you're not listening to what I'm saying. Well, you really you are got, concentrating. You got now. me the puzzle, Rob. I mean, it's a sixty fucking piece puzzle. I haven't done a puzzle since I was a kid, and I'm realising that maybe is there an one... age on this? Yeah, <laughs> it's for the ages. I need the picture. Oh, I'm sorry, right. It's for the ages of four and up. <laughs> So uh, Alex should be able no, to No, I am listening. Yeah. Um, right. I have deleted my Facebook account. Yeah, you told me this. Why have you done that? Well, I just felt the people on there were... Well, just not the kind of people I'd be friends with. Um, I'm joking, of course. But uh, no, but I, you're I, not I, joking. No, I, I just had enough of it. I think it was just sort of a bit of intrusive. So, But the the, the Facebook page for Facebook local is. anaesthetic is still going. That has not been dissolved. No, no, no. I've made a dummy account. I'm not going to say what name it's in. Um... Although, there was a, apparently we can advertise on Facebook, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Advertise? Yeah. How much would we have to pay for that privilege? It's £6 a month. Right. Is that, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Well, I think, Rob, we just need to make better use of our business cards. Yeah, I need to find those. Rob, I really don't want to do this, I'll well, be honest. Alex, yeah, let's stop now. Although you do well, you've, got, I th- you've only I managed think, to fit two pieces together. I think that whatever we have at the end... Whatever I managed to complete at the end is the picture you send up. Okay. It's quite a challenge. Absolutely. 
Uh, and at least, if nothing else, okay, we'll keep doing it. Uh, we have money that went to charity. Yeah, and ultimately, that's uh, that's the bottom line. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Right, I'm going to take a brief um, hiatus from completing my puzzle. To I might, might keep going while you're doing. No, no, no. It's my puzzle. Right? Okay. I'd like to do it myself. <laughs> right, fine. Oh no, you you could if you want. No, no, not really. I don't really want to. Right. Um, Okay, I think I might, as, it, as this is our Christmas episode, I think I might as well start us off with this story. I don't really have any festive themed stories this week, but I do have this, Rob. It's from the new shop, Rob. It's from Friday the 6th of December. Um, no journalist listed. And the headline is 20 weird Christmas facts to mark Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer being f- first being on TV. Why do we need to mark that? I don't know. Right. The heartwarming story. Of the little red-nosed reindeer first lit up TV screens on this day back in 1964. To mark this occasion, here are 20 weird and interesting facts to get you in the festive spirit. Would you like to hear them? Okay. The Christmas meal in England used to be a pig's head and mustard. This is the second time I've heard this fact today. Yeah, that's weird. I know. Mm. I actually heard it on a podcast (laughs) this morning. On a different podcast? Yeah. Mm, Beat us to it. Mm. In England and Wales, the chances of a white Christmas are just one in ten, whereas it's one in six for Scotland and Northern Ireland. Again, not really surprising. Yeah. More chance in those areas to piss in the snow. Yeah. The first Christmas celebrated in Britain is thought to have been in York in 521 AD. Really? Yeah. York. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was created in 1938 for a US firm's Christmas promotion. Who would have thought that it traces its roots back to a commercial enterprise? Well, considering uh, another fact I learned that he's not one of uh, one of the original eight reindeer, it's not really surprising. Right. The Bible does not put a number on how many wise men there were. Matthew's, Matthew's Gospel merely refers to wise men. Okay. Can I, I knew uh, that already. Just another, another quick... Uh, well, it's a pub quiz question, actually. Yeah. How many sneezes yeah. are there in the Bible? How many sneezes? Yeah, don't go back to the, the puzzle, Alex. Uh, um, I'll tell you. There's one. There's one small boy sneezing, but uh, the answer is nine. He sneezes nine times. Look, Rob, look at that, Rob. Oh yeah, you've got uh, you've got five there. I don't know. That's the jigsaw. Um, nearly uh, in Victorian times, mince pies were made with beef and spices. Nearly 60 million Christmas trees are grown each year in Europe. 60 million. That's a lot. Christmas tradition in Iceland has 13 Yuletide lads who either leave presents or pull pranks for children during the 26-day holiday season as a reward or punishment for their behaviour. Okay. The Dutch custom of leaving shoes packed with food for St Nicholas's donkeys is where we get our custom of hanging <laughs> stockings out from. I see you right, Okay. Meanwhile, 20th century French nuns leaving socks full of fruit and nuts at the houses of the poor is the origin of us putting tangerines in stockings nowadays comes from. That's where that comes from. Right, okay. So every year when you get a solitary tangerine in a stocking, you know where it comes from. Father Christmas sleigh would not travel at the speed of light. The jolly red-suited man would have 34 hours to complete his deliveries thanks to international dateline, and his sleigh would have to travel at 99.99999% of the speed of light, assuming he only visits 800 million houses over the entire surface area of the earth. Why would you work that out? Artificial Christmas trees used to be made from the same bristles as toilet brushes. <laughs> That's a good fact. Yeah. Hopefully not used and toilet first. The price index for the gifts in the 12 days of Christmas went from $12,673 in 1984 to more than $24,000 for 2011. That's boring. That's a boring fact. I don't even know what it means. St. Nicholas is a patron saint for kids, but also for unmarried women, prisoners, thieves, and pawnbrokers. <laughs> According to the Good legend, fact. the real Saint Nick did more than give presents, uh, but he did he did such deeds as giving money to a man's daughter so they could avoid a life of prostitution. So really, as well as giving presents, Santa should visit prostitutes and and uh, and emancipate them. Yeah, that's not a euphemism. No, the reindeer Donner and Blitzen were originally called Dunder and Blixen, meaning thunder and lightning, which were taken taken from the Dutch oath. And tinkered with over time to the names we names we know today. Nice. As well as shortening the word, the X in Xmas is thought to be a Greek a, bre- a Greek abbreviation for the word Christ. In Anglo-Saxon, the word for mistletoe translates to Oh, I know this. Go on. Um, it's something it's like poo stick or something. Dung on a stick. That's it. That's what we could call an episode. That was on the, I was on the podcast this morning as well. <laughs> what about that? Yeah. It's an episode, dung on a stick. 
Yeah. Or shit stick. No, I can't. <laughs> I won't make it past iTunes. The postcode for Father Christmas is H-O-H-O-H-O. Oh. Or Ho-Ho-Ho. Oh. You can follow Santa's journey on Christmas Eve using NORAD Santa tracking website. You do know that. The NORAD dug that I, I did hear that, yeah. I mean, if, I think if people don't... Didn't, are we assume most people know what NORAD is? Yes. Yeah. It's a massive satellite missile defence system. <laughs> Robbing on cards were a joke 150 years ago when postmen wore red tunics. Last fact, and probably the most boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Alex. I feel, um, well, not, not that much more festive. Now, I have another... F- I haven't finished, Ron. No, no, it's okay. So I'm just saying, Alex. I've got my, my last real festive story before I conclude this, this segment, Rob. It's by Heloise Wood. It's from the 16th of December. It's in the new shopper. And the headline is, pictured, festive fatbergs wreak havoc in the sewers this Christmas. Fatbergs? Fatbergs. Surely our episode title has to be festive fatbergs. Is it fat burglars? Is that what it... No, F-A-T-B-E-R-G-S, one word. Right. Imagine, Rob, tackling nine double-deckers worth of fat mixed with wet wipes in a four-foot drain. Reporter Heloise Wood gets a whiff of what it takes from Thames Waters Sewerman. Well, that's a unique present. I do like that 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 sentence. Imagine tackling nine double deckers worth of fat mixed with wet wipes in a four foot drain. Could our episode title be nine double deckers <laughs> worth of fat mixed with wet wipes in a four foot drain? Yeah, no, I think so. Good description of the podcast. This is really a Christmas story, though. Well, it is, Rob. Festive fatbergs. Festive. Ho ho ho. Could you not just cut, cut the word festive out of that and just call it fatbergs? Second World War bullets, right. a live hand grenade and half a Mini Cooper car are just some of the delights which have been discovered in London sewers. What? How do you get half a Mini Cooper down a sewer? Well, have you ever seen the film The Italian Job, Alex? No. Oh, right. Well, never mind. But I'm aware of it. Now Thames Water is appealing to people to stop tipping, dripping down the plug hole as blockages rise by about 25% during Christmas. That's why it's a festive story, oh, Rob. Are they implying that someone's tried to, to, I don't know, fit a Mini Cooper down the plug hole? Deputy Chief Sewer Flusher, Danny Brackley. <laughs> wow, what a job What's your job? I'm, I'm Deputy <laughs> Chief Sewer Flusher. So, see, so he, has, he has control over who flushes? See, I'm not even a Deputy Chief Sewer Flusher in my house. I'm prime. I'm the head. <laughs> I flush the toilet when I wish to. Yeah, that's true, yeah. His name Danny Brackley. He reveals how London's drains are literally bursting with the wrong things and it costs £12 million a year to repair. Right. He says, festive fatbergs are the worst. A hideous concoction of turkey drippings, oil from your roast veg and fatty gravy. Sorry, is this, is this an industry term? A fatberg? Is that what the... It must be, Rob. Yeah. Right, okay. The biggest... Can you smell that, Rob? Somebody's cooking, aren't they? I've got a neighbour cooking something with grease in it. Can you smell yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's probably like a festive fatberg to me. Yeah, it's not very pleasant, is it? <laughs> Really, keep persevering, keep yeah. persevering. The biggest blockage I had to deal with with nine double-decker buses worth of cooking fat and wet wipes underneath Leicester Square in 2010. <laughs> we had to use a pressure jet to get rid of it. The smell is horrendous if you're not used to it. When the fat... Oh my God, I'm going to show you a picture in a minute. When the fat congeals, it takes the oxygen out of the atmosphere, so we have to be really careful not to be poisoned. It also gives out nitrogen and methane gas. So it's highly would, flammable. Would you like to see a picture of this uh, unfortunate gentleman in the sewer... Um, that presumably shoveling the festive fatbergs. You need to describe it for the listener. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so you've got this poor chap who actually doesn't look that old um, wearing sort of a miner's cap with light, shoveling what looks like a combination of feces and fat um, in a, a, a tunnel. Bless him. For, um, Rob, can I ask you a question? Is it me or does he have incredibly short legs? Yeah, do you know what? That's a very good point, actually. What's happened to his legs? Is he kneeling? Th- no, no. I think one of his legs is submerged. I think that's why. he's Because he's got uh, one leg up. But it does look like he's, he's, he's got... I mean, he does look... I mean, he does look... Unless he's wearing orthopaedic shoes. He looks like he lives down there, Rob. He's very pasty. He looks like a sort of zombie. How do you get into that kind of career? <laughs> I mean, that can't be his his sole career choice, surely. Must have done pretty shit. So I want to sub- shovel fat when I'm older. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, that's not euphemism, by the way. Rob, I can, sorry. I cannot stand the smell. Is it affecting you like it is me? I, well, to be honest, no, not really. Right. Do you want to try and open the window? No, no, it's okay. Well, no, obviously. But you can He's me complaining see. about the smell of a bit of chip fat when I'm talking about a man who has shovel shit for a living. Exactly. 
Mr. Brackley, who is now starring in radio ads to prevent sewer, abu- <laughs> sewer abuse, sewer abuse, believes our diet is partly to blame. He He's explains. been abusing the rats. He explains it's getting worse since the eighties and the rise of fast food, we're eating so much more of it. Grease is a problem. Fat and wet wipes. He keeps going on about wet wipes. Can build up right outside your front door, building up until the sewer blocks and raw sewage is spilling out over the road or even worse, up through the toilets into their home. To avoid this, you should wait for the cooking fat to cool, pour it into a container and put it in the bin. Mr. Brackley continues to be amazed by the variety and scope of his job. He says the best thing about <laughs> the best thing about the job is seeing the incredible architecture of the sewers. Much of it dates back to the 1960s, but the worst thing is the way people abuse them and put the wrong things down there. We regularly come across old coins or Second World War bullets, and one of my colleagues once found a live hand grenade. We also once found half of a Mini Cooper car. We still can't work out how it got in there. Um, sewer hotspots, Rob. Bexley, November 27th. Thames Water Workers removed a 15 metre long blockage of fat and wet wipes from a pipe in Abbey Road. 15 metre? Yes, after sewage seeped out into the road and made it difficult for residents to flush toilets. Bloody hell. November 5th, a Lewisham Road property was flooded after fat and wipes congealed together. So, wet wipes are a huge problem. Apparently so, yeah. Greenwich, December 10th. Sewer rods were used to clear a blockage in Bradle Street. It's fascinating, this, Rob, isn't it? And November 28th, St Mary's Avenue was plagued with a lump of fat clogging the drain, so jets were brought in. I'm assuming they mean pressure jets and not the military. Yeah, or the. New <laughs> they York, just bombed it. Or the New York Jets. Or the New York Jets. Which I believe were a basketball team. No, that's the Knicks, isn't it? Comments, Rob. White Rabbit 9 says, nothing compared to what the government's MPs spew out. Nice, yeah. That's an extra very uh, topical point there. Um, and Right Right says, Chris Patton's got more than that around his waist. <laughs> that's that's unnecessary. Yeah. Although, slightly true. Um Mosley says, in, you know the wall, who's a regular current? Yes, yeah, yeah. Mosley just says, the wall would be right at home doing that job. The wall hadn't said anything up until this point. He hadn't even commented on the story. So he right. just says it. And so the wall obviously sees his Takes comment with it, yeah. and says, grow up. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's quite a tame comeback from the wall. Mosley says, I knew that would draw you out if you were still alive. The wall mm. says, what are bollocks? Been on holiday, you should try one. I mean, it's come as you know, as insults go, take a holiday isn't a massive one. And uh, Mosley replies to that, Where you been? Berlin, sightseeing, which I think is meant to be implying he's a Nazi. Yeah. And uh, the wall simply replies, My mate sorted out Simon's old boiler, so as a favour, I got some holiday, went to Finland, in brackets, Lapland, and helped out the big guy. That's the end of those comments, Robert. right? Fantastic. Um, so, uh, I, I hope you enjoyed your holiday, the wall. <laughs> Right, Rob, have you got some stories for us while I continue to complete Challenge Indiana Jones? Yeah, the first story is from the uh, the non-traitorous Guardian. Um, <laughs> the journalist is Zoe O'Brien. And headline... Can I just say, Rob, that what makes it especially hard to complete this puzzle is that every bit I pull out has this strange blue hair over it. Uh, well, that's not part of the puzzle, you realise. Are you trying to fit that in somewhere? That's just the... No, uh, I understand it's not part oh, of the puzzle, okay. you, you anus. <laughs> Sorry. That's what I'm called for. And again, the headline. Uh, a married couple are appealing for help in finding an urn full of ashes which travels with them to family events after car crash... Sorry, after Christmas car theft. It's quite a long headline. Oh, I've got... Hey, 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 yeah, tell you what, Rob. I've got a story that's a bit similar to this. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I uh, can't stand this hair everywhere! Sorry. <laughs> okay. You will now learn the lesson, or a very important lesson after this. Never buy me a puzzle I'm amazed again. by the concentration that's going into this. Anyway, I'm going to persevere. Uh, a family's been left devastated when, uh, when an urn containing their relative's ashes was <laughs> stolen along with their car and a boot full of presents. Oh. Michael Savage and his wife Mel travelled to Loughton from West Bridford in, in Nottinghamshire to spend Christmas with their friends. Mr Savage, 29, explained that he and his wife had rushed into the house for a hot drink after spending hours battling through stormy weather on the motorway. He said, We just leapt into the house as the wind was howling. Uh, we know we shouldn't have left the presents in the car, uh, sorry, the presents and my ashes in the car, but we just wanted a hot drink and some rest after battling down the motorway. I just like the phrase, the presents and my ashes in the car. It's not really his, I mean, it sounds like it's his ashes, like he's cremated himself. Um, <laughs> after battling for three hours down the motorway. Uh, 
We are staying with our close friends over Christmas, then travelling back to our parents' house on Boxing Day. So we brought down, uh, so we bought us, sorry, bought with us a boot full of Christmas presents. We are just sorry to all our friends' children who will have to wait seven more weeks for some new presents. Um, my father, my father-in-law's ashes reside with us in our Nottinghamshire home, but he travels with us to all significant family gatherings so, so he that thought, he can share the occasion. So he, sorry, he carries around. I've got to stop this for a second. He carries around. Yeah, yeah. His dead father's ashes. His father-in-law's ashes. Yeah, father-in-law's his wife, ashes. His wife's father's ashes. Uh, she, she's she's okay with this, presumably, is he? Yeah, I don't. She's, he doesn't she's, really there's not a running argument where she's saying, "I really would just like to bury the dead," and he's like, "No, he's coming with us." <laughs> so he brings them to to, to to significant events and just puts them there on the table. Doesn't yes. He? Well, he actually takes it out of the car. Yeah, no, yeah. The, he the, the 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 pot of the urn comes to family gatherings, and so he can share the occasions. What's wrong with that, Alex? Something slightly wrong or creepy about that, is there? Not at all. <laughs> I find that disturbing, I'll be honest. If anything, we appeal to the thieves to contact the police with the location of the ashes so we can have Mel's, bag, uh, Mel's dad back with us. The trouble is, it's not Mel's dad, though, is it? It's his ashes. That's you saying that, not him saying it. Well, no, 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 but that's him saying it. Um, so this happened on Monday evening. Uh, I'm not sure how long ago this was. It's, what was that? Friday, so Monday. Oh, actually, the story's from uh, today, Alex. I didn't realise that. I, didn't, I thought it was from early this week. So it only happened on Monday. So the, what was Monday? Shows that you were doing this last minute research for yep. the podcast. Uh, what was Monday? What's yeah. date today? It's 27th today. Uh, so it was yeah. on the 23rd. So the actual was stolen on the 23rd. Um, so the car is a black BMW. Uh, with registration number, well, it's not really relevant. Uh, a police spokesman said, "We're desperately looking to find the man's car and his wife's father's ashes, as well as the thieves who stole them." With this in mind, sightings of the car, anyone who saw people acting suspiciously in the near junction of Lower Park and High Road, why would Langton, you steal somebody's ashes? Rob? This is a question you haven't asked. Well, what, that, what could they have possibly thought it they was? They didn't. This, no, Alex, they, they they stole the car. Oh, I see. They stole the car with the presents in. Right. And it was just unfortunate the uh, the father's ashes were also in the car at the time. So that's a sad story. Um, <laughs> what a sad story. My next story is a bit more upbeat. <laughs> it's in the Australian News and Journal. It's by Katie Wilson. Beagle pup Teddy wins Christmas uh, picture competition. Does he now? One-year-old pup Teddy, who went missing for two days last month, has come second in a Christmas picture competition. Uh, owners Lisa and Paul Young sent in this festive photo of Teddy and his parents Sally and Todd to a, a Facebook competition which, organize, which was organised by the charity Beagles UK. Uh, Teddy ran away from his Do home... Do you know, Rob, that Snoopy was a beagle? He's not coloured like a beagle. Yeah, but did you know that's the breed that Snoopy is? He's oh, a beagle. He? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And he was originally. In the original cartoons, he's a more yellowy colour. Yeah. Teddy ran away from his home on Bluebell Close That's interesting, on Bonfire eh? Night yeah. after spooked by the fireworks uh, but was found two days later with the support of 700 Facebook friends and a tracker dog named Tigger Lisa and Paul would like to say thank you once again to everyone who helped find Teddy and bring him home Teddy so not only two things Alex there's two bits of Christmas joy there the dog who went missing has returned and also he came second in the photo competition that's, that's good. Second. Who came first? It doesn't say. Right. Uh, and uh, my very last story is from the Ilford Recorder, as stated earlier. It's, but um, I'm, contra- I'm concentrating on, on the stories from the Woodford area. Um, and the headline is, Driver incensed over row with traffic warden. The, uh, and the reporter is Francesca Elliott. An incensed Woodford Green resident has accused a Redbridge Council parking officer of telling outright lies of the issuing of a parking ticket and is demanding an apology. Uh, accountant uh, Lawrence Handwor- Handworker, uh, sounds like it should be a euphemism, um, of Kings Avenue parked his car on uh, Ethelbert Gardens, Gants Hill on November 29th. He claims he paid £1.32 for parking via Ringo, uh, a cash payment system done via mobile phone. I was there to see a client have parked there for quite a, quite a few times in the past, and the last few times I used Ringo, he said. Ringo. I parked at 12pm. That's well, a jumbo, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Good programme. Although probably not uh, really known to our, our continental <laughs> listeners. <laughs> or, or, or any of our other listeners. <laughs> no, probably, possibly, yeah. Look it up. 
Um, and received new two notifications by text. I saw a parking wouldn't put a ticket on my car that said 12.03. I showed him my confirmation, which is proof that I'd paid, but he got flustered and said it was too late to retract it and I needed to take it up with the council. Then he drove off without giving me the ticket. Nice. However, on December the 5th, Mr. Handworker said he received the £60 Mr. parking... Mr. Handworker? I, that's what I just said, Alex. I know, I am listening, yeah. but I'm just reiterating that... Mr. Handworker. ...is an unusual name. Do you know, I mean, uh, he sounds like he should be employed in some sp- very sort of specific role. Possibly sexual. <laughs> that's well, what yeah. I was thinking. Um, he received the £60 parking fine for the council, along with a letter accusing him of driving off before the, tra- taf- before the traffic warden could issue the ticket. I'm completely incensed, he added. That that was an outright lie from the enforcement officer, and it's completely outrageous. He acted unlawfully. I want him sacked. I want the council to be more scrupulous over who they employ. Residents should be protected from people like him, who are obviously getting away with murder. I don't care about the fine. I know I won't pay, as I have proof the charge was paid before I even got the ticket. But it's the behaviour of the warden that has completely incensed me. I'm so angry. Uh, I'm not going to go into any more details about the story because there's just uh, two comments I'd like to read out. Okay, so the first comment is from uh, Shahana, who just starts... Nice name. Yeah, exactly. Who just starts uh, by saying, traffic wardens are disgusting humans. Uh, well, that's an opinion shared by a lot of people, Rob. Yeah. Uh, and it's the council who needs to make sure the parking systems are fair. Parking for- enforcements are in place to help residents or visitors to the borough. This is when the council says. Sorry, this is what the council says when the first introduced these parking schemes. But when a ticket gets issued and people appeal it, the appeals team show no compassion to genuine cases or genuine mistakes by the public, because they want their money. Simple. Sometimes a visitor may go to the, uh, a visitor voucher, and when they return, and when they return, they get a fine. When appealed, it may not be accepted, and the person still has to pay. How disgusted! The coward team in appeals never speak on the telephone. Only want things in writing as well. And, it's uh, gibberish, really, isn't it? Well, yeah. And uh, the last comment is by uh, Marco Tufano. Good name, says, Marco. This is why I cycle, because the harassment from Camden and Eastern Councils when I owned a car was nothing less than the was nothing less than daily unprosecuted harassment and extortion. <laughs> daily unprosecuted harassment is a very good episode. Title. It is, yeah. Every time I drove through Camden and Islington, every time they would invent a false offence from a, t- a CCTV photo or warden, when all there really was, uh, by way of an offence, was a photo of a number plate. Right. right. It's the next comment, Alex, that I think um, he... I don't know. I think it's basically excessive. Obsessive? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I think it's a bit of an overstatement, to be honest. Right. Um, so, he, just, so this is the next thing he says. The parking fine harassment in England would shame the evils of the Nazis. <laughs> I've heard people say similar things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, these parking, in brackets, fine, must be seen as what they are. Criminal, con- <laughs> criminal conduct by corrupt parking wardens. These fines are harassment of innocent victims trying to get to work to earn a living so they can pay their taxes. Which I'm not quite sure ranks up alongside building gas chambers and committing genocide. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if how many white parking tickets compares to the Holocaust. It's, a, it's, but a, it's on the way there. Yeah, it's a slippery I mean, slope, Rob. We don't know that that's what maybe triggered uh, Hitler's idea about the final solution, but who knows? The, the weird thing is about this is that these people would happily probably gas to death the parking wardens. But that's true, yeah. Thus turning them into the very thing which they're you know, protesting about. I think that's fair. The criminal courts must send any parking wardens or CC-operated parking wardens to jail for harassing people for money when they thought or ought to that the demands are false and tantamount to harassment. So there we go. Uh, Rob, what have we learned? That uh, traffic wardens are second best to the Nazis. We've also learned that I can complete a puzzle in record time, but there are two pieces missing from your gift. Oh, well, you, I'll tell you what, let's let's put the, the, the free piece you got in just there. No, I don't know. I don't want to do that, Rob. Uh, don't uh, belittle my, uh, my, right, my okay. achievement. Can you take a picture of this now, Rob, and you can put it on Facebook, and hopefully you won't be sued for copyright infringement. <laughs> I will, Alex. We'll do it at the end of the podcast. Can you do it now so I can remove the puzzle right. away from myself? <laughs> I really... I'd like commenting on doing this puzzle. It was actually quite a challenge. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you... I'm actually quite pleased with myself. Um, it, it is for the ages of four and up. Yeah, four and up, bro. Well, yeah, that's true. That includes me. Yeah, true. 
Who the fuck gives a puzzle to charity with two bits missing? <laughs> a lot of people, Alex. <laughs> people who got it as a present but didn't want it. Oh. I can't imagine a four-year-old completing this, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I, no, I don't know, but I think that's, that's the possibility of that. Really? There we go. Oh. It's not the best picture, but... Uh, Why is it not the best picture? Well... Let me see it. I'm just trying to... What's going on here? There, there we go. It's because of the light. The light's reflecting. Oh. Yeah, that'll do. Okay, Rob, I'm now going to dismantle the puzzle. Yeah. When you're to dismantle, you mean destroy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's basically what you mean. Now oh, that was one pound well spent. Yeah, it was actually. <laughs> but so you can now, uh, you can now take it home with you. <laughs> I, I won't be doing that. Well, what am I going to do with it? Put it in the bin. So far to it. Is there anyone else you can re-gift it to? Is there anyone else you can re-gift it to? Give it to your father when you see it. <laughs> As it is our Christmas episode, Rob, we had to have a, uh, a bad news animal story. Of course. Here is that bad news animal story, Rob. It's from the new shopper. Uh, it's by Sarah Trotter. It's from the 16th of December. And the headline is, Mottingham Rail Station's pooing pigeon cull is cruel and pointless. <laughs> right. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Animal characters have reacted furiously over plans to slaughter Mottingham Station's pigeon population, which have been persistently pooing on customers. <laughs> it comes after a station platform vendor says the birds are ruining her trade, as customers dodge the birds' bombs, which have landed in cups of coffee and pose... <laughs> landed in cups of coffee? And pose a health and safety risk, yes. Uh, then I think it's probably justified, personally. South Eastern, which is responsible for cleaning the platforms, are planning a cull to get rid of the pigeons before fitting meshing to prevent any more roosting. Right. But animal charities, charities say the move is cruel and unnecessary and likely to worsen the problem, which could be avoided by using non-lethal deterrents such as anti-perching spikes. We've all seen those on top yeah. of McDonald's signs and things like that. They're not very attractive, I have to say. No. Are they? Well, they're just spikes. I mean... Yeah. I've never worked out why they have to be so long. Why couldn't they be much, much smaller? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Speaking of the ongoing problem, owner of Shell's kiosk, Michelle, <laughs> Michelle Hill, oh, okay, not, not affiliated with Shell the petrol station, no, no, no. said, I am losing customers. Three people got pooed on this morning. <laughs> it is getting beyond a joke now. It's like they're having a party up on the roof. A spokeswoman for South Eastern claims the company has tried various non-lethal methods to deter them, including a special gel applied to the beams, but to no avail. But director of the Pigeon Control Advisory Service... What? ...which provides advice on humane non-lethal bird control, Emma Haskell said, culling is a complete and utter waste of time. It isn't going to reduce their problem. It will probably make things ten times worse. The birds will go into breeding overdrive to fill the void in the flocks, especially if they are not going to address the issue of available food. The only way to stop the pigeons soiling is to put physical deterrents such as spikes or wire mesh. It goes without saying that culling is cruel and completely unnecessary. The only beneficiary would be pest control. She went on to say that culling is more expensive than other options and could only be used legally as the last resort if all other options proved to have failed. Could uh, she, I mean, uh, could the owner of Shell's kiosk not just buy, I don't know, some sort of awning, maybe, that, that, that would prevent her customers from being pooed on? Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess she could. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, just thinking aloud here. Did you know, Rob? Pigeons stem from rock doves, which still live on cliff tops in wild places in Scotland. Pigeons were originally domesticated and then released into the wild, where they adapted to nest on places such as rooftops. Alternatives to culling include anti-roosting spikes, bird netting, a contraceptive pill. What? I don't understand why that. Yeah, but you're seeing on a daily basis, and the pigeons usually forget. Egg, <laughs> egg oiling. Than what egg oiling? Egg oiling? Yeah. A bird of prey such as a hawk. So she could just keep a hawk on top of her stand. You say this, but this is what the... I know London Underground do employ a hawk. I know they do. Yeah. Sonic devices. Sonic boom! Like a screwdriver. Yeah. Or like Guile from Street Fighter. Or like Guile from Street Fighter. Yeah. Repellent gels. And electric shock systems. (laughs) Right. Methods to kill pigeons include poison. Grenade. Shooting. Crocodile. Cage trapping where birds are baited into a cage before being killed. Swipe rifle. <laughs> oh god, that's nice, yeah. Comments, Rob. The original ranter says, Maybe if we could get into a dialogue with the pigeons, you know? Yeah? 
Simply talk to them. Get them to see their actions aren't very nice. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe we could put an end to the senseless violence against the pigeon community from pigeon phobes. I think a working party from both communities and a royal commission could be the way forward. Then a judge that inquiry, anything to stop the senseless killing. Somebody trying to be funny, Rob. I think that's very true. I mean, if we, did, if we, we did start a dialogue with them, maybe we could convince them. Doesn't really work, does it? Is that a racist pun? Cuckoo, because pitches are cool. Coo. It's just, it's an unfortunate. No, yeah, let's, let's not. Let, okay, I see your point now. Damn, double five double seven says they are vermin, flying rats. It's not as if they're an endangered species. A cull is the way forward. Awful bird, just as bad as seagulls. Cull, cull, cull. Well done, southeastern. This, there are a few comments here, Rob, which have to be up there for comments of the year. Right. Mr. Nubcake says it's not the pigeon's so, fault. What? Who? Mr. Nubcake. Mr. Nubcake. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the pigeon's fault. They have watched southeastern shit on their passengers for years. <laughs> So they think it's the norm. That's good. I like that. Isn't it? Uh, Royal Factor says, South Eastern arranging a cull, we should all be worried that it will obviously kill every other animal except the pigeons, not turn up at all or arrive late after the pigeons move on. Passengers will be safe though as we as we provide revenue. Another very good comment. Mm. Rob, uh, my last story for this week. I told you that your story about the ashes, that I had a oh, yeah. kind of similar theme story. Um, serious story, Rob. Mm. By Robert Fizz from the New Shopper, Tuesday 17th of December. The headline is, Bromley Council apologises for, in quotes, lack of respect, close quotes, in cemetery. Brilliant. Uh, okay. Is, this, is, is it as bad as, gonna, as a man driving an ice cream van to remember his service? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> uh, I'm going to show you a picture in a second, Rob. Right. This is the scene which greeted horrified mourners when they went to visit their father's grave. The, Vas- the Vasquez family made their regular visits to London Road Cemetery in Bromley since their father died seven months ago to tend the plot and pay their respects. But when they arrived on Saturday, Rob, this is what they found. This, is, this, this, this was a picture of their father's grave. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow. Describe the picture. It's just a mound of... Dirt that's just been piled on top a, of it. It's a huge mound of earth, isn't what it? What the hell are they doing? Done. Sorry. It's a, it, it's a very tall mound of earth. Yeah, of, yeah. So they arrived, yeah, to pay their respects. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a festive fatberg. <laughs> <laughs> that's really unfortunate. So, when they arrived on Saturday, they noticed a new grave had been dug up next to their father's and they found all the rubble and earth had been dumped on their father's grave. And Phil Vasquez says the plaque, ornaments and flowers which had been set up on the grave had just oh, been put on one no, side. No, that's, oh, that's disgraceful. Mr Vasquez said we were disgusted to find this when we wanted to come and pay our respects. What makes matters worse is myself and my family are still grieving for our loss. I feel that the diggers had a complete lack of respect for my father's grave. A Bromley Council spokesman said we did try and contact the family prior to this excavation and have since spoken to the family to apologise for any distress caused. By the way, they're basically baning the family. We yeah. tried to contact you, you didn't pick up the phone. You obviously can about your dead relative for her first not to dump this mound of earth onto him. Exactly. This is, however, standard working procedure in a very old and tightly packed cemetery, and of course the immediate area in any affected neighbouring graves will be tidied as a matter of course after the impending funeral. Oh, that's okay then. That's their response, Rob. And that's that story. There are no comments, but... What? But I know, a brilliant story. Uh, <laughs> um, but my... My last story for this week, Rob, is from uh, Melissa Hills, who I've never heard of before. She's assistant news editor for The New Shopper. Ooh. Nice name, Melissa Hills. Melissa Hills. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I can't remember where I parked it. Help dementia suffer a find lost car. <laughs> now, Rob, I want you to listen carefully to this story, because it's got lots of interesting details in it, which I think you'll enjoy. Are they, are they, are they spurious details? Well, no, no, they're, they're, they're just enjoyable. Right. Um, they're not spurious, they're integral to the story. Right. A Bexley Heath woman suffering from dementia is appealing for help finding her car. She can't remember where she parked it. Marie mm. Wand left her Danson Road home. That's the name of the road she lives Dan- in. You're looking confused. Her Danson Road home. Her home oh, in Danson Road. I thought it was some sort of. I thought I thought that was the car. I thought that was a vehicle. <laughs> no, not like a Danson sort of like, Sunny. Yeah, I thought it was like a uh, what's it called a Winnebago. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Danson Road home. Does it not sound like it could be a car? <laughs> it does. My second hand dancing road home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So go on, carry on. Like a Vauxhall Labrador. Yeah. <laughs> she left her dancing road home on November twenty seventh for a 
So she left the home, right, intending to go for an this appointment. This is badly written. No, for an appointment. Uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> Marie Wan left her dancing home. She left her, her, her <laughs> dancing road home. Her massive, her massive uh, Unib- uh, Winnebago. Not Unibago, I'm not sure that is. <laughs> no, that's her house, right? <laughs> right. On November 27th, for an appointment at the Brook Hospital in Shooters Hill. But instead, bought a Papa John's pizza. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 no, Alex, are we are we are we at someone because they forgot where they were going? She ended up buying a pizza. Yes. <laughs> she left the house, meant to go to hospital at the point, but because she got dementia, she went and bought a Papa John's. Oh, <laughs> Oh god! It had to be a Papa John's. <laughs> yeah, that uh, story Rob, wouldn't be as funny if it was Domino's or Pizza Hut, would it? It would no, it would be no, the thought of an old lady going and buying a Papa John's pizza <laughs> rather than <going laughs> and import <laughs> She walked in with her no yeah, I didn't. What? I, I say prescription, but obviously she didn't prescription because she hadn't been to her doctor's. It was a hospital, Rob, it was more important than that. It was a special oh, was it? hospital. Okay. The 83-year-old who suffers from Alzheimer's returned home to her family at around 7.30pm the same evening, but without her beloved light blue Vauxhall Corsa. But at the same time, she's got a pizza, so... Well, I think she ate that. <laughs> Marie's family have been searching for three weeks and want to bring the car... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what are you thinking of? Uh, this is... <laughs> So walking with the door with this empty pizza box, it's like, crap, where's the car gone? <laughs> she went, oh, oh, I've got a pizza, mate. Papa John's. Grant, if you've been to, if you've been to the hospital, I was going to the hospital. <laughs> yes, Grant, where's the car again? Uh, that is what it would be like, Rob. My, my, my grandparents, one of my grandparents had dementia. Yes, it's not a laughing Well, it is, and it isn't. I mean, you've got to laugh at these things because they're brutal. Yeah. Marie's family have been searching for three weeks and still want to bring the car home in time for Christmas. Why does a car care whether it's home for Christmas? Is that like... Maybe it's a gift. Marie's daughter, Sasha Wand, 48... <sighs> Sasha Wand? ...from Whittingham Road, Mottingham, says the family are desperate to find the car so their mum can go to a pre-planned Christmas Day hotel lunch. <laughs> Just the mum. Just the mum, not the family. <laughs> pre-planned Christmas Day hotel lunch is our episode title. Yeah. <laughs> pre-planned Christmas Day hotel lunch. Come on, Rob. Yeah, no, I completely... But why isn't where, why isn't she spending it with the family? <laughs> I don't know. We'll get into that. Right. right okay. Sasha, a mother of three, said the only place we know for definite that she went to that she went to was to get petrol from Hastings Road in Bromley, and then she got a Papa John's pizza from somewhere. Presumably, I think she got it from Papa John's. Well, she must have had the car by the when she went to the garage, unless she literally just went to the garage with without the car. <laughs> she just walked there. <laughs> All we know that it was from somewhere called in quotes Unit Five. The Papa John's pizza was from somewhere called Unit 5. Very mysterious. She seems to have got a cab from the takeaway because it was dark and all we know is that it cost her £35. <laughs> so a cab driver took 35 quid off a woman with dementia <laughs> and then Papa John's pizza. Uh, okay. It would have been from a distance of about 70 miles away. We believe the car could have been parked in Bromley, Catford, Lewisham, Sydenham or Sidcup. Nothing to do with me, this, by the way. I mean, that's quite, that's quite a wide area. Yeah. The family have been in touch with the police, but because the car is taxed and insurers, there's nothing they can do. Well, unless they spot it and about. Miss Wand added, we have been out looking for the car for three weeks now. Can you imagine just, what, how, that's a huge area, you can't just wander up and down every road. Mm. You'd just be like, you'd be getting so frustrated with her, wouldn't you? I'm sorry, but... And presumably you couldn't get your insurance for it, could you? Because you've lost the car. Alex, I'm just going to try something very quickly. One second. You're going to try and find her car? Papa... John's, yep. Uh, Are we going to go off and find her car? Unit 5. That'd be a fun expedition, Rob. Apparently she was in, she was in Reading in Berkshire. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says here. Oh, no. Where's Chertsey? No, I think I think that's the that's the head office. Um, and I would like to make clear to this family that Unit Five is actually the head office of uh, Papa John. So don't so go she's there. Looking it's at a dead the, end. So she's looking at the box and seeing Unit Five, which the is the head office of Papa John's. <laughs> so they're look, basically in, looking around in Reading. Chicago. Uh, sure, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's right. Chicago via Reading. Right. 
This is Juan Daddy. We've been out looking for the car for three weeks now and we feel we have no other option but to appeal to the general public for help. The whole family's got together and we've had meetings and have been out several times looking for it. I'm not sure meetings are going to help you find the no. car. It would help make Christmas so much better if the public can help us find it. Well, it's too late for that. All she can remember is that the car is parked somewhere near a wooded area. She still even has her shopping in there. <laughs> near a wooded area. I don't think that's still going to be good. If you see the car with the registration number X236JBM, email Sasha. I'm going to email Sasha anyway. Because you know I like the name Sasha. Remember we had the story about the dog? Yeah, absolutely. The man absolutely. who slept with his ex-wife's dog it's called Sasha. Sasha. Out of revenge. Because yes. she wouldn't have sex with him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember that story vividly. Comments. White Rabbit 9 says, hope she finds it. Frank Sutton says, sorry, but should she be driving? No, so now this is that's an interesting point, Bob. It's a fair point, yeah. Bob Downandis says, old fool is attention seeking. <laughs> <laughs> the epitome of sympathy. If not, she shouldn't be driving. I can't believe the family allow her to drive if she is that bad. That's why, in my honest opinion, it's a f- it's all a story. So he thinks it's made up. Why would you make this story up? Yeah, I agree. White Rabbit 9 says, I lose my car and I haven't got dementia. Simon Ball says, all that fuss and all she ends up with is a crappy Papa John's pizza. <laughs> At least she could have got one from Pizza Express with dough balls. That's true. I mean, I mean, I think she'd have some wet wet was first. Panda72 says, Rob, people with dementia are supposed to declare this to the DVLA and the insurance company. If this goes unmentioned, it could be avoided also. If an insurance company will even insure a person in, under circumstances. Although it is the individual's right to have their independence, it is also a question of our own safety and welfare as well as others. As next time, it may not be a car missing, but a grandchild left in a shop. In brackets, hope this never happens. Perhaps the family should be taking more care and attention to their mum's dementia and accompanying her to the appointments. It appears her dementia is more serious than they're aware. Hope you find the car and keep mum safe all the best. It's a very important point. Why was this woman toddling off to an appointment with dementia in a car on her own? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Karen Powell says, sorry, but she should not be driving and certainly not attending appointments on her own. If the family could spend all that time looking for the car, then surely they would have had the time to take her to the appointment. The family are totally irresponsible. I still would like to clear up why they wanted the car back so their nan could go off to a hotel lunch. It does sound like they were getting rid of her for the day. Um, Now, Rob, you will recall that she was on her way to the Brook Hospital. Yes. And ended up at Papa John's. Yeah. Uh, Well, Danoni Mouse says... Did nobody realise that the Brook Hospital closed years ago? You're joking. So the hospital that she was going to is in fact defunct anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry, something doesn't really true about the story. I mean, I think there was no hospital appointment in the first place. I think they just sent her off on a wild goose chase, hoping that she would forget how to come home. No, 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 Rob. Here's what happened. You know what happened. Think about it. You're right, the hospital is a complete red herring. All of it's a red herring. This is what happened. This irresponsible family were sitting around on their asses watching TV and they fancied a Papa yeah, The Jeremy Carr generation, yeah. Yeah, and they fancied a Papa John's pizza. <laughs> and then, oi, Nan, go and drive us and get us a Papa John's pizza, will you? Sending their old Nan out with dementia. She goes, gets a Papa John pizza, loses the car. Now they're trying to find the car. You're right, Alex. Yeah, well, that's that story cleared up and we've exposed them as benefit cheats. Yeah. Uh, my last story, and this is, I have to, I apologise first of all, I, I need to, Craig, Craig sent me the story, where he sent me three stories that I actually missed off my email, uh, so these stories go back to September, and so I apologise for not featuring these sooner. The stories from the South Wales... How did you miss those for four months? I've been busy, Alex, I, I, I just skim read them. Uh, the stories by uh, Ruth uh, Madolsky, most outrageous excuses made by benefit cheats. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. What, for why they can't work? Uh, I, I, yeah, basically. Can I guess some? Uh, okay, yeah, come on. Well, give me one and let me guess okay. from there. It was a drunken mistake. What was a drunken mistake? I don't know. That's the first line. <laughs> you claim benefits. It was a drunken mistake to claim benefits. Oh, I don't know. That's a great excuse. I didn't mean to, but I was pissed. Maybe. Ah, right. He doesn't live here. He just comes every morning to collect his sandwiches. Uh, who? <laughs> what a badly written story. Well, I assume uh, it, I assume that well, that one is someone's claim benefits fraudulently or using the uh, uh, you know uh, uh, an alias. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've confused me with my evil twin brother, <laughs> which I think is a good one. 
just some of the excuses given to officials by benefits cheats try to cover their backs. Uh, a woman claimed disability living allowance claimed uh, so, sorry a woman claimed disability living allowance claimant said she was claiming there's a lot of claims in it said she was claiming benefits to pay for her cleaner because by the time I come in from work I'm I'm that knackered. Right, man. Yeah. <laughs> no. One forter said she needed the money she falsely claimed to pay for a TV in all of her five children's bedrooms because they had attention defi- deficit disorder. Yeah, that's why they've got attention deficit disorder. Yeah. Uh, but the woman from Scotland did not, me- did not mention uh, one of the children that she lived with. Uh, a woman had been caught using a fake ID, said her skin colour had changed from black to white, and said the change in her skin shape was down to a road accident. <laughs> that's awful. So she admitted a ago and she was in a horrific car on a road accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other excuses included a man with two Pakistani passports uh, being investigated for identity and benefit fraud said official had, had, officials had confused him with his evil twin brother. He said the two passports containing uh, names and dates of birth of each of the same children could be explained because my brother has children born on the same dates with the same names. A woman told officials she was not in a relationship with a man who stayed at her home most nights in a week. When she pointed out that they had had three children together in five years, she said, they're all entitled to a one-night stand, aren't we? It's <laughs> nice. Um, an English woman who told officers her partner, who was uh, not ordered... Sorry. An English woman told officers her partner who she had not declared on her claim, did not live with her. He just comes every morning to collect his sandwiches. Uh, a night watchman had claimed out-of-work benefits, ex- explained, I only claim benefits during the day. What I do at nights is my own business. <laughs> so he was doing a night job. And so he was... <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. Um, a, sing- a supposedly single man told officers... It's not my partner, it's my sister. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh that's low. When he was showing the couple's wedding certificate, he replied, it was a drunken mistake. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Either way, it's interest. Yeah. <laughs> All the excuses were given to staff in the Department for Work and Pensions Investigating Benefit Ford. What um, I love is, who's leaked these? What sort of disgusting culture is going on at the Department of Pen- Benefits and Pensions for them to be leaking this information to undermine? But they haven't leaked people. it. That's the thing. They have published them. It's a hope. To, sorry, they have published them, hoping to encourage people to stop uh, fraudsters. Yeah, but it's even it's even worse that because it's tarring and everybody claims benefits with that brush. Absolutely. Yeah. It's no, cynical and low. And on that rather downbeat end to the year, Rob, I think we should leave the podcast. Absolutely. Just to say, um, we hope all those on benefits have a very Merry Christmas um, and stop sponging off the state. Agreed. Take care.